Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Marissa Baker. Now, Marissa is the host of Sun Happens podcast. She is a certified life coach with the Life Coach School. She's an influencer with a passion for encouraging others through social media, sprinkled with dark humor and bad dance moves. She's also a motivational speaker who was divorced twice before the age of 30. So I am super excited to welcome Marissa Baker to the show. Welcome, Marissa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, I just think your story is so inspiring. And I know that it's going to resonate with so many of my listeners. So maybe should we start there? Would you mind sharing what you've been through? Yeah, absolutely. So if you follow me on social, what you'll hear a lot is, Hi, my name's Marissa. I've been married and divorced twice before 30, and this is my story. Um, so yeah, I'm 30 years old, and I found myself in a position where I was filing for my second divorce at 29. So I got married right out of college, um, was married to him for about a year before I was like, mm, this is not for me. And um, got out of that really quickly. And before my divorce was finalized, I was still separated. I started dating my second husband. So it took zero time in between relationships to heal, to think about, you know, maybe where I could have grown and jumped right into that relationship with my second husband. Um, we were married for about two years. And um, yeah, I just finalized that divorce in November. And so yeah, long, the, the short version of my story is that, um, divorce is really freaking hard. And, um, I wish that I would have done the work to maybe have avoided the second one. Um, but I have done so much healing work to get to a place where, um, I feel good again. And I found my joy again, and I'm single and happy and ready for whatever is next. Wow. I mean, it's an inspiring story because I know a lot of people will be thinking, gosh, if I've been divorced twice by the age of 30, I'd be thinking, gosh, what's wrong with me? Mm. You know, I'm never going to find anyone. I Maybe I hate all men. I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking, <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> I hear it a lot in my coaching clinic. You know, I hate all men. I'm never going to date again. So, you know, I mean, let's go back first. You said that a year into your first marriage, you, you noticed that it wasn't for you. What took you know, a year and what was it that you maybe didn't see before you got married? Because a year in is, is not long in, is it? It's not long at all. You know, honestly, it just feels like such a blip in my life at this point. But um, I started dating him in college and I had only had one other boyfriend before that who had cheated on me. And um, so I met this, this guy, my first husband, and there were, a, he was there was a lot of red flags and things I didn't understand were red flags because I grew up with a lot of chaos. I had family members that were, um, addicted to drugs or alcoholics. I, 
um, was molested as a young kid, just a lot of different things that affected my filter of the world. And so I was used to chaos and it was familiar to me. And so because of that, I was like, oh, this one looks really good and it feels familiar. That feels a lot like my home life. So this must mean this is good for me. Mm. And, um, so I, I really, I was so unaware. I lacked so, so much awareness in my first marriage, but I just remember feeling so bad all the time and I didn't know how to explain it. So I couldn't have told you at the time that it was the way he talked down to me or, um, the way that he didn't communicate, but rather like threw things across the room. Like I didn't know that that wasn't normal. And, um, and I also didn't know how to communicate my feelings. So, um, paired with my avoidance of conflict and intimacy and his chaotic life, we were like, just like a storm waiting to happen. And that was the craziest, hardest year ever, because I didn't know what I was feeling or how to put a finger on it. And so instead I was, you know, like self-harming and, and doing other things to try and feel better. And I just realized I I'm not going to live a life where I'm having to harm myself to feel something. And so I didn't really know why I left. I just knew I had to leave. Gosh, what a story. And I think it's so true, isn't it, that we learn our coping mechanisms from our families, you know, the environment you grow up, you, that becomes normality. And, and why wouldn't it be? That's all you know. You grow up and you think this is marriage, this is love, this is whatever my parents are doing. That's what everyone does. And again, you know, for people listening, if, you know, it's, really important us as you know parents to think about that when we're going through breakups as well because our kids are learning that's normal like you did and then thinking right I've got to look for someone to fit chaos and then in he came so I guess that's a you know it's it's understandable but wow what a strength to be able to to leave because if you were self-harming you must have been a pretty low point so how did you get that sort of strength to get back up was it because you met somebody else then or was it just you you made that decision you know, I, I made the decision before I had met my second husband, but he definitely helped. Right. Because it was like, oh, well, if I could jump into this relationship, then I don't have to think about my grief from here. But, um, what I will say is I, because of that lack of awareness, I definitely used a lot of distractions to get through it would not advise it. But like at the time, my ex-boyfriend was like hospitalized because, you know, whatever. And he was in a, a coma for a month. And so instead of like feeling my feelings and reflecting on the relationship, I was like, oh, I'll drive back and forth to the hospital. I'll be there for him. I'll go on Tinder. I'll meet this new guy. I'll just double down at work. And I got through it because I just pretended it wasn't there. And that is really that mindset, that toxic positivity and distracting myself is really kind of what got me to where I am now with my second divorce. And yeah. Yeah. I guess if you go straight into something else without feeling, then obviously you're dragging that baggage in with you. As I know, you know, lots of people here will have done that. I've certainly done that in relationships in the past. So yeah, I mean, and then you sort of wake up in the middle of another relationship thinking, what am I doing? Were, were you repeating the same patterns in with husband number two? I was like, and I, I think that's why I believe so much in taking extreme ownership, because I, I don't know that had I not gotten married the second time that I would have been forced to take full ownership. I would have constantly pointed at my first ex-husband and been like, this is all your fault. I had nothing to do with this. And really it's all of it comes back to me. And, you know, a lot of times 
that's really hard to hear because it's like, you don't want to own that. Like I played such a big role in, in both of these relationships failing. But what I learned is that when I can say, okay, how did Marissa contribute? Then I get to take my power back and figure out how do I heal and grow from here? So, but to your question, yeah, I didn't communicate at all. I had no, I was still being toxically positive. So like if something my partner did bothered me, it was, oh no, it's fine. I have to keep the peace. Don't say anything. And I would just hold things in, never say anything. Then I started doing the thing again, where I was self-harming instead of speaking my truth. Uh, I did not set healthy boundaries and I picked a partner that still was a little bit, I don't want to say chaotic because he was far less chaotic, but the way we worked, it was still chaotic and still kind of going back to what I used to know rather than creating a new life uh, for myself. So yeah. And, and that's the only reason I know that <laughs> I, I have to take full ownership because I saw so many repetitive things for myself. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I, I mean, full credit to you because it is so hard. I mean, I came out of a toxic relationship, but my ex met somebody else. So, you know, there was only one way for me to go I and mean, I was getting out of that, but yeah, right. I was still really hurt for me to stay in it, even when it was not great and make that decision. I think it's pretty hard. And a lot of people stay in toxic relationships because of that cycle, which takes you to the highs, the lows, but then you have a high. So you stay, don't you? You don't, you don't get out because there is that, you know, you're always living in the hope that it's going to stay good. Yeah. But when it's good, it's amazing. So how did you break that cycle and get out? Yeah, I just... I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer this, but I feel like a lot of the toxic cycle was me. And so when I stopped playing into this, then our relationship just kind of looked like, like a heartbeat with no heartbeat, you know, like it was like a flatlined relationship. Like we didn't communicate. We never hung out. I was never home. And I just started realizing I'm not happy here. My energy feels lower when I'm around this person. Um, I wasn't helping at home. And I just thought, okay, I have two options because being married to my second ex-husband was absolutely not the worst thing by any means, but I just kept thinking I can have a good life or I can have an exceptional life where I feel at peace and I can be my full authentic self. And I might feel lonely at times, but right now I feel alone in this. So like, is it, do I settle for good or great? You know? Yeah. I love what you just said. Cause I hear it all the time. And I know for me, I felt lonelier in my marriage than mm. I did. And I noticed that as soon as I came out of it and I had all my friends and my family around because everyone was shocked. Everyone was like, oh my goodness, they don't understand this. So yeah. you get so much love and people step up for you. And I was like, oh my God, I feel really loved. I, think I haven't felt like that for, for actually a really long time, right? Yeah. Is that what you noticed as you came out? Yeah, you know, there were a lot of people that were there for me. I think the the greatest lesson that I've learned is that I had been searching for somebody else to love me for so long. Like how dare him not make me feel loved and comforted or, or whatever. But I realized I could give that to myself. And when I started genuinely liking who I am and knowing myself and being like, wow, I love that. I'm a person who loves the sunshine and wants to listen to bird song and talks like crazy fast when she gets excited, then it was also a lot easier to accept the love that other people were trying to give me romantic or not. And so 
yeah, I felt a lot more love, not just from others, but from myself. And I still feel like, I just feel so full. I'm like, wow, I have, I've been single for like a year now. And I'm like, I just feel so loved all the time. Oh, I love that. This is amazing. Yeah. So, so for people listening right now, thinking this is what I want. I want to feel loved all the time, but be happy to be on my own. Because a lot of people are scared to be on their own. I think in my coaching clinic, it's one of the biggest fears I hear. Like, what if nobody loves me again? What yeah. if now that's it? I'm on my own forever. And, you know, getting to that point really quickly, actually, within 12 months where you're actually super happy to, to be single you know, tell us how, how is that possible? Where do people start who are listening? I stopped like judging myself and shaming myself. And I just allowed myself to feel whatever feeling I was having. And so what I mean by that is I think a lot of people, including myself, try to skip the grief stage. And they're like, I just want to feel better. I just want to be right here. And then it like actually ends up prolonging the grief. I just kind of sat down multiple times and I was like, you know, I'm just going to let myself feel this. Like I'd get in a fetal position on my floor and I'd cry and I'd, you know, for lack of being cliche, I'd sit with my inner child and be like, what do you need right now? What is hurting you so bad? Like, and, um, I didn't shy away from it, which like I said, I had done for the first 29 years. So it was really the first time in my life that I said, I'm going to feel good, bad, and ugly. I'm going to allow it to be there. And when I allowed those, I don't want to say bad, but when I allowed the grieving and those feelings to be there, it opened up the possibilities in my mind to also be able to, to, to believe that there was something more for me because I wasn't resisting. Like it's like all my brain power was focused on resist, resist, resist. And so when I allowed myself to feel it opened up this space to be like, but what if there is more for me? And what if life could be really great and you could love yourself and, and do it without being in a romantic relationship? Ooh, I love that. I mean, just that question alone is like focusing you on so much more positive things for the future and opportunities rather than you know, why don't they love me or why didn't it work out or what could I have done better? So really powerful question. So, I mean, I mean, I know that a lot of people listening would have done that ugly crying on the bathroom floor or they'd have gone through all that, but sometimes you can get stuck there, can't you? So shifting your focus onto, okay, what could be is a really positive way to start that process. And then I guess you have to back that up with some, some action, right? Which may not feel comfortable, I guess, at that time, you may just want to stay under the duvet and eating crisps or whatever you're doing, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and to be fair, sometimes I still do, right. I, I, I always joke that my, um, uh, coping mechanism of choice was binge emotional eating. And so if I start to feel really strong feelings of like, where's the Mac and cheese, you know? And so I think so much of the healing process is we judge ourselves for not being here yet. And it's okay to kind of look at ourselves with compassionate curiosity and to challenge those thoughts that keep us right here, stuck in something. And, but to your point, you're right. Like if, if I'm having thoughts, oh, I'm not good enough, or no one's ever going to love me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get out of bed either. But what I would challenge people is if you are in that um, mindset, regardless of what, what it is you're thinking about yourself or making the divorce mean about yourself is don't be afraid to just question that thought. You can stay in bed if you want, stay in bed and be crying, you know, and then just think, what is that totally true? 
Like, am I not good enough? And what I have found is when I can question my thoughts with compassion and ask a different question, like the question I just asked, then it was like day after day, it was like the scales just started to tip and it was like, oh, okay, I do want to get out of bed today and maybe I'll meal prep. And then it was, I'll start a new hobby. And yeah, it's like the scale just starts to tip and it's so lovely, but it starts with not believing everything that your mind is telling you. Yeah, that's such good advice. Not believing everything your mind tells you because because your brain has to come up with an answer, right? So if you ask it a negative question, it's going to come up with a disempowering answer, which then if you start to believe that, then that reinforces itself and it becomes more of a reality in your mind. And then it's very well it's a lot harder to break you definitely can and that's what you and I teach I guess so so okay so I really like that I think not believing the things you're saying to yourself is really important so once you've got that done how do you actually you know get out and you said you know you were up there but I mean I'm looking at you and you're glowing with positivity and energy and you know for people who are thinking I'm not there yet and I do want to do something you know where can they start to get out there I mean I know a lot of people say I don't know many people that are divorced most of my friends are in couples that can make it quite tricky can't it hi it's sarah davison here the divorce coach i hope you're enjoying this episode of heartbreak to happiness i just wanted to let you know about a free gift i've got for you which i know will help you if you're struggling with your breakup or divorce right now i'd like to offer you a free week's membership of my heartbreak to happiness online support group sessions with unlimited access to any of the groups during this time. So what are they? Well, these are friendly and confidential online support groups run by my accredited coaches. I've designed them to ensure that you know you're not alone and there is help and support out there to help you cope better. One delegate, Jane, said after her first session, I can't believe how much better I feel in just one hour. Another delegate, Wendy, said, My friends and family are so fed up of hearing me talk about this, and now I finally feel like I've found my tribe. I've designed these sessions so you'll meet other people going through similar situations, and you'll be able to share your story in a safe space. My specialist coaches are all trained personally by me and are there to offer support and help to enable you to dial down those negative emotions and let go of your ex. So I wanted to make a special offer to all my podcast listeners, which is a three weeks access to this unique support. It means that you will have access to as many support sessions as you would like to attend in a week. And we've got lots of days and different times to choose from. This is a great way to start to take your power back and help you feel more empowered. Remember, as I always say, it's not what happens to you that defines you, it's what you do about it that makes you the person you are. So sign up now at www.saradavison.com forward slash support group. That's saradavison.com forward slash support group to claim your free gift and to move from your heartbreak to happiness. Where can they start to get out there? I mean, I know a lot of people say, I don't know many people that are divorced. Most of my friends are in couples. That can make it quite tricky, can't it? Yeah, you know, 
I think you have to do it scared, right? So you're, you're not going to feel motivated or inspired or like you want to get up and get out into the world. So I think you kind of just have to choose to do it. Like for me, some of those things were, um, I have what's called a start today journal by Rachel Hollis. And every day you write five things that you're grateful for. And then you write 10 um, affirmations about who you want to be 10 years from now, but you write it as if you've already gotten there. And, um, so it was so hard just, and this is just an example to wake up every day and to establish that habit. And most mornings I'm like, I don't want to do this, but after I would get it done, after I'd write the five things I'm grateful for, then suddenly I was like, oh, wait, I do like this. And so I think the important thing is people have to remember that there's two brains. Well, what I say, right. You've got the primitive brain and then you've got the brain. That's like the higher consciousness you know, prefrontal cortex and this brain, the primitive brain is trying to protect you. Like this brain is trying to be like, don't do that. That's not comfortable. And it could be even something that's good for you. Like if you notice, like if you ever try to start working out the brain's like, Oh, we don't normally do that. This is weird. Just don't do that. And so that's the same thing when trying to get out into the world and just whether it be dating or whether it just be finding your joy again or creating a new hobby. And then you have this, this higher brain, the prefrontal cortex that goes, okay, this is what I want. This is where I want to be. Here's all the things I need to do to get there. And how do I choose to do this thing? Even though this primitive brain is like, don't do that. (laughs) We'll Uh die. If we do that, don't do that. Yeah. I love that. Do it scared. I think that's, that's great because a lot of people wait till they feel comfortable but actually, sometimes that doesn't come and you, you've got to push yourself out of that comfort zone, right, at some point. Otherwise, things are going to stay the same. So yeah. super important. And you mentioned something earlier about compassion and, and curiosity. And I, I love those two words. I think they're really important. Um, compassion, self-care, looking after yourself. I think a lot of people will see that as selfish in the early days, right? A lot of my clients say, I struggle with looking after me. You know, I'm so used to doing something everybody else so what's your advice on starting to take as you said ownership for for looking after that and being compassionate yeah I think the greatest gift that you can give other people is by taking care of yourself first and you know I guess when you're in this field in the space that we're in we're like no exactly we're like that's normal you should Um, but a lot of people are giving so much to other people and, and obviously then their cup is empty. Um, and so I just want to encourage people that if, if you do take the time to fill your cup and take care of you and learn to like yourself and be alone with yourself, it's only going to enhance your ability to love other people better, to show up for them, to listen to them, to be empathetic, to, I don't know, help them move out of their house, whatever it may be. If you're a helper and you're like, I can't take care of myself. Just know that if you do, you'll be able to help more. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I really do. It's so true. It's so true. And, and tell us a little bit about curiosity, because that's quite a fun word. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, so compassionate curiosity to me goes hand in hand with shame and, um, so many of us, including myself, love to shame ourselves. Uh, like you said, something must be wrong with me. I'm the problem. No one will ever love me again. Why would I do that? You're stupid. You're crazy. Whatever the things that we're telling ourselves. And so I just decided one day, I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I'm just not going to be mean to myself. And so instead of 
you know, shooting all over myself, shooting and hating myself, I'm going to just kind of start to question things with kindness. And it goes back to that point earlier of, Hey, Marissa, you know, we did something that we maybe didn't love, but like, no worries. Can let's just talk about why do we think that we did that? And when you approach yourself, um, with compassion and just asking yourself questions, then there's not this like shame cycle of, I don't know, like it, I feel like it just stops the shame in its tracks. Like when it's just shame, you're like, you're in the cycle of shame, beget shame, beget shame. And then you continue to do the things that you're trying to quit doing. Whereas it's like, if you come in and you meet this shame with compassionate curiosity, then you're open to be able to be like, oh, here's why I did that thing. And because you're compassionate with yourself, then you can go down a road where you can maybe stop doing the things that don't align with who you are. If if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does. I think it's really important to to be consciously aware of our behaviors because a lot of them will be programmed, like you said before, from when you're growing up, this is what you know, this is what is normal. And we adopt those strategies and behaviors because we think that's just the only option. But actually, as we go through our own life experiences, if we're watching and looking like with perspective on what we're doing, we can then shift that unconscious behavior to conscious. And once it becomes conscious, that's where we are able to to use it, do something with it, take our control back over it. Now, I mean, I loved what you said at the beginning about being your authentic self. Um, and I do think, you know, I talk a lot about shining your light and just being comfortable with being who you are. Like, not everyone is going to like you. You know, there's going to be people out there that don't. But that's okay because, you know, there's some <laughs> people you don't like, right? So we're all okay yeah, with that. Yeah. So, but how do you get to the, the state where you feel you are being authentic? I guess that's that's the question for most people, I think. Yeah. Authenticity. I'm going to start with this is so scary because it leaves you vulnerable and sometimes open to criticism. And, um, I'll just mention this shortly, but obviously the, the UK press, the daily mail wrote an article about me after finding my TikTok about saying that I had been married and divorced twice before 30, but the title of it was life coaches branded a joke after revealing she's been married and divorced twice before 30. And it was in that moment that I realized how tough authenticity is, is because I got online to not only feel less alone, but to share my authentic story so that others could feel less alone and I could help them navigate if they're going through something similar. Um, But like I said, when you are authentic and you put yourself out there, people won't always like it. And it usually has nothing to do with you, but they have very strong opinions about it. And um, so I, I know that I'm being authentic when I am sharing my honest story without having that fear of other people's opinions, right? Because before almost every single post or even jumping on this podcast, I'm like, what will they think about this? What will they say about me? And then I'm like, okay, but I know who I am. And um, so generally like understanding how I know when I'm being authentic though, outside of the other people's opinions. Um, and I don't know if you teach this or, or not or how familiar your listeners are, but um, I've learned to value visceral intelligence, which is the, the intelligence of your body. And so many times um, when something is a yes, your body will feel like open and expansive and you'll get goosebumps and it just feels like good and light and like love. And then if something's a no, you'll feel that 
tension and like your shoulders are tight and your chest is tight and you're like, you feel small and not expansive at all. And so, yeah. So when I'm not worried about other people's opinions and when I feel expansive and, and open, I'm like, okay, here we are. Like, this is Marissa right here. Yeah. And I, I love that because it, and I, I sort of talk about that in a different way, like your body's internal burger alarm, you know, and it will go off if something isn't right. But a lot of the time, especially if you come out of a toxic relationship, we don't listen to that enough. Yeah. Um, um, so we override it. So, yeah, I, I'm all for that. And, and listening to your body and what your body's telling you is so important. And I think, you know, just learning to think, you know, accept yourself. You've got to do it first for others to accept you the way you are. But I think, you know, learning to just love the way you are. And if there's areas you want to improve, by all means, go do that. But, you know, just knowing that you're the best, you know, just the way you are. You're, you're just good enough the way you are. And that's enough is really important. Yeah. I do think it's hard, though, when you come out of a difficult breakup to, to have that confidence. And I think that mm-hmm. is the baby steps and looking after yourself and maybe even getting back out there on the dating game again. I know you're out there dating. Have you got <laughs> any <laughs> have you got any advice or uh, what not to do for people listening you are thinking about getting back out there again dating in 2022 is mortifying just kidding it's actually not that bad but once you once you learn to love yourself and you have boundaries for yourself and you have like standards I think dating does become a little bit harder because you know, before Marissa would have just gone for anyone that gave her attention and told her that she was great. And now I'm navigating it. And you really do have to meet a bunch of people and be willing to get to know them to then most of the times be like, oh, this doesn't align with me. I will say some of my biggest frustrations in this, in this whole process though, is like people that are just not forthcoming and and honest. Like I've, never dealt with that in my life. Like, you know, people always just kind of were like, Oh, we really like you. And I was like, great, let's get married. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I've never had to date like this. Um, but there's just this weird, like people will, will only want one thing from you, but they'll be like, Oh, let's go on dates and let's do this. And then it's like, wait, why did you take me on dates? If all you wanted was to hook up, like just be, you know, forthcoming from the beginning. So it's, it's a different road that I've never been on and it's a little uncomfy, but I'm having fun navigating it and learning what my expectations are from other people. It's like, Oh, there's a little bit of manipulation there. Don't like that. You're out or whatever it is. I'm having fun, but I'm also like, Oh, I'm terrified. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like the dating world. And I think you're spot on with your advice about setting your boundaries. I think you know, knowing what your red flags are, spotting them, just gives you that safety net as when you're dating. So if they do come up, you're not thinking, oh, I'll give them another chance or, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe next time around she won't be so bad. You know, it's like, no, no, just learn. And if they're showing you who they are, believe them and get the hell out now. Yes, <laughs> preach. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. But uh, it makes it a little bit easier, I think, as well. And you get toughened up a bit because there's a lot of ghosting, isn't there, where people will, you'll think you're getting on well and then they just disappear. And you're like, oh, okay, you were like my favorite out of everyone. And now you've just sort of gone. Oh, what next? So I think you do toughen up, don't you? You you do. You like stop taking things so personal. And it's like you have to, you have to toughen up because the way the dating world is right now with these dating apps. There's a million options at any given time. So like, 
people don't have to keep the conversation go with you, going with you because they've got 13 other people that they could be like, Hey, what's up? You want to hang out? Um, so yeah, you just kind of stop taking it personal. If they ghost you, you get ghosted and you're like, whatever, you know, yeah. there's always going to be someone like a good quote, um, for your listeners is the prize never chases. And I think if you consider yourself the prize, if someone is just not interested or they ghost you, it's like, um, you're lost. Cause I'm really great. I'm hilarious and I'm a good time. So just yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah. I love that. The prize never chases. That's brilliant. I love it. And that's, that's so true. And that's where we need to be, isn't it? To, to have enough self-worth and self-value that, and, and self-esteem that we're not going to be chasing people. If they're not interested, jog on. That's what I say. Yes. Jog on. Yes. <laughs> bye Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's so great talking to you. Where can people find you, Marissa, if they want to find out more about you? Obviously, I know you're all over social, but tell us exactly where to find you. Yes. So my personal pages um, on TikTok and Instagram are the Marissa Baker. Those are the same handle. And then my brand, which is Sun Happens, is Sun Happens Official on Instagram. And that's like Sun, S-U-N, like the sun, because we're creating our own sunshine. Um, And it's a play on shit happens. So it's Sun Happens Official. Awesome. Awesome. Now I have one last question for you that I ask all my guests. As you know, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it. And whenever life gets a little bit tough or maybe you've been ghosted on a dating app. So what is happiness for you, Marissa? Wow, I like love this question. Um, Happiness for me is really truly getting to be the most authentic version of myself, no matter what, right? Like if someone asked me, Hey, do you want to go to the movies tonight? And I don't want to being able to be like, no, I don't. (laughs) And right. And then walking, walking confidently in that. And so I just love the freedom of being who I am, no matter what, and being fully honest with people about who I am and being okay. If they choose to be around me or not so yeah because I like me and that just makes me happy oh well I like you too I'm sure all my listeners like you now you've been a fabulous guest thank you for spending your time with us today I love what you've been sharing and yeah thank you for being here Marissa yes thank you so much for having me anything that helps other people believe that there is hope on the other side of of the heartbreak and the grieving that they might be going through is I'm here for it Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to the Marissa Baker on Instagram and TikTok to find out more about Marissa and follow her. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.